it's no secret that the NHL playoff race is unpredictable. We don't know what to expect. We don't even know what to expect at the upcoming trade deadline, which is T-minus a week and a half away. Uh, and there have still been hardly any deals, uh, except for one minor one that we'll talk about. But the other headline that's been buried deep underneath the surface is uh, there are some goalies making headlines uh, for the starters job on their respective teams that we didn't necessarily expect or expect to happen this soon. We have five names and we're going to talk about every single one of them in episode 401 of the Lace Up podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. We are talking about underrated goaltenders pushing for starter jobs. Brett, where do we go first? Yeah, I mean, first off, I, I do want to mention that I think the, the premise of this idea was, uh, well, first off, in a few fantasy leagues, I ended up acquiring... Charlie Lindgren and David Riddick ended up being on a couple of my waiver wires. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, um, and these were leagues that I needed some goalie help. And I was just thinking. I also claimed Alex Lyon in my league. Yeah, Leon's another one that we'll talk about. Joey Decord I have in a league too, um, yeah. which we'll talk about. But um, but yeah, it made me think about, cause like, because I was so desperate in a couple of goalies, it made me think about like, Okay, what are some goalies around the league where, like, they're kind of cheap right now. In fact, they're on the waiver wire. But maybe next year, in fact, you could see them um, be a starter. Um, and funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, but um, tragically enough, I guess I should say, um, I had this idea before Carter Hart had this thing. So I was going to include Samuel Urson because he's kind of taken over the crease in uh, Philadelphia. But um, but that's someone that um, I probably would have mentioned if we didn't know about the Carter Hart situation there. Um, and then, um, yeah, Devin Levi in UPL is another honorable mention. But, um, but yeah, for now, I guess, because we mentioned four of these goalies that we're going to talk about, I can kind of spoil all the goalies that we're going to talk about in terms of players that goalies that are backups technically at the moment, but they have been outplaying the starter in the moment as well. Um, And also I think another thing that I do want to mention is that like, if you take a team like Boston, for instance, um, they have Swayman, they have Olmark and they have been a pretty good tandem the Rangers have a pretty good tandem now with Quick and Jesterkin. Even a few of these teams that we're about to talk about where it feels like like one of these players are, like all of the, all these players that we're about to talk about are working their themselves into a goalie tandem. Um, but I think we want to mention, because like technically I could talk about Swayman because he's technically the backup but he plays about as much as Ulmark does. Um, so so I, I, I kind of want to talk about teams that it's not so clear cut where it's like, oh, this player has actually been playing a lot better than the starter, 
and um, due to some reasons they're just like, wait a second, are, is this actually the guy? Is this the the um, the goalie of the future or the goalie that they can build their team around? And of course, goalies are voodoo. That's like always the cliche thing, of course. But um, but yeah, it's interesting. So anyways, uh, we'll talk about Joseph Wall, David Riddick, Charlie Lindgren, Alex Lyon, and Joey Decord. There was no particular order in these things. We just, that's just how we came up with it. It's really random here. Uh, but we're, yeah, so we're gonna start off with Joseph Wall. Uh, he's currently injured at this moment. Um, so it is a little strange to talk about it, but it seems like, um, it seems like he could be back pretty soon. Who knows when that's going to happen. But um, right now, um, in 15 games that Wall has played, he has a 9.16 save percentage and a GAA of 2.8. Um, he's also, um, and then as opposed to, oh, yeah, um, and he's 8-5-1 uh, and one in those starts. Um, however, at the start of the year, you would think that Ilya Samsonov, um, who had a pretty decent, like, you know, s season last year, but, um, but yeah, he had like a 919 save percentage last year, for instance, um, in 42 games. But this year, Samsonov has kind of fallen off. Um, he has an 883 save percentage, a GAA of 3.18. There was also, and he's, but he's also 14, 4, and 5. Um, so he still has a winning record, but of course, I think that has more to do with the fact that the Maple Leafs are a good team <laughs> ahead of Samsonov. Um, but of course, you don't want to have an 893 save percentage. And you can tell that you're really bad when Martin Jones starts to outplay you. Um, because Martin Jones, in 20 games, has a 907 save percentage and a 2.71 GAA. Um, yeah, and there was also a point that I was alluding to that Samsonov was um, kind of, um, yeah, he was like demoted for, like he was waived for like a, a couple weeks ago. Um, but now, um, but then he gets called up because I guess he was just working things out in Toronto in the, in the Marley system. Um, yeah. But in terms of the cap situation, um, it's kind of interesting here. Because um, because uh, Joseph Wall has two years left on his contract. Um, he's an RFA at the end of that. He is 25 years old. Um, but both Samsonov and Martin Jones are both going to be free agents next year, UFAs um, as that. Um, and, um, and I mean, I think with, we've, we've talked about the Maple Leafs cap situation ad nauseum. But this is a team that, in particular, needs to cap crunch with all their guys that aren't Matthews, Marner, uh, Nylander, and Tavares. So, um, so it does seem like Joseph Wall is going to be the guy um, for the future. However, it's a little, you know, it's just, it's a little risky because, of course, because first off, goalies are voodoo. Um, so we yeah. don't necessarily know how good Wall is going to be next year and the year after that and all that stuff. It, it could, you know, it's not like Joseph Wall is this a high pedigree. He's not like a Jesper Wallstead or a Yaroslav Askarov who do have this 
high pedigree going on where you're like, oh, like, you know, people had just started to learn about who Joseph Wall is. And yeah, uh, of course, you you always hope that uh, Wall is going to be end up being pretty good for Toronto, but you don't actually know. Um, but um, but yeah, so it's always risky to do that and, and lean your your whole goaltending back check on Joseph Wall or Dennis Hildeby, who has been pretty good in the AHL. Um, but again, those guys are pretty young. Um, however, I think with the cap situation and all that stuff, I feel like the Maple Leafs may not have a choice. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. there is a chance that Samsonov might ask for a discount just considering that he wants like a prove it deal and maybe they can make it work with the Maple Leafs. But uh, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know why the Maple Leafs would want another season out of him. So it seems pretty clear. I guess this is the first time where it seems pretty clear that I think Joseph Wall is going to be the starter next year. But, um, but yeah, I don't know what they do when, if, I should say that what let's say Wall gets injured next year because he's injured now. I mean, obviously he's still young. Um, we don't know exactly how he's gonna be um, next year, and he may not have injury luck. But what are they gonna do when Joseph Wall gets injured next year? They're gonna have to have a backup there. So, um, and I don't know if they um, if they want to rely on Hildeby and Wall as their two goalies um, next year. Maybe you can do it in the future when both of them have some NHL experience, but I don't think you want to do that this year or next year. Dennis Hildeby has a lot of potential, and he's been darn good with the Marlies. But when Joseph Wall was injured and Ilya Samsonov was struggling and they were riding Martin Jones heavily, and they had a back-to-back, they put Martin Jones in net for both sets of the back-to-back mm-hmm. and when they have the opportunity to rest martin jones for an additional day because they got the crappy sharks coming into toronto and everyone thinks oh this is the opportunity where hildeby gets his nhl debut nope they start martin jones for that too yeah so i don't think they have any desire to go to hildeby largely because uh i think the kid is riding a wave of confidence. Don't ruin that. Yeah. And the Leafs, the Leafs have had just a tendency of really testing the mental fortitude of goaltenders. And Joseph Bull, uh, to his credit, has passed with flying colors. Um, his season debut against Chicago was a loss, but it was a pretty close game, and he gave him a chance to win. He stopped 27 of 30. That's a pretty productive first outing of the year. His next matchup is at Tampa Bay. 27 save shutout, big W. They needed that W. Uh, against Washington, his next outing, he stymies Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals, stops 37 of 38, Leafs win again. He stops 31 of 32 against Dallas. The Leafs win that game. Uh, he's even had a, a couple of relief appearances too where he's come in relief. For example, November 6th against Tampa. Samsonov struggles. Joseph Bull comes in. He stops 18 of 19. Leafs come back and win in overtime. And, uh, and you know, the train keeps rolling. He keeps giving the Leafs a chance to win. Yes, there were some blunders, uh, for example, against uh, the Sens 
uh, later uh, in the season, I believe it was early November, actually, when uh, he had his first stinker of the year. Um, but, you know, for the most part, they were getting quality results out of Joseph Wall. They were getting, you know, 38 save gems and uh, 37 save gem against the Kraken. Uh, the previous mentioned uh, 38 save gem came against the Panthers, who um, really had their number in the playoffs last year. And just the ability to stay calm, cool, and collected in this environment, in this city, in this market, it's it's probably probably the toughest goalie gig is Montreal. And then I would say Toronto is right behind, especially when you have a Toronto team that's get, giving like a third of its cap to like four guys or five guys on the roster. And you need quality goaltending at a level where you're paying like a combined like five million over two goalies and you're hoping that's going to be enough so for joseph wall at his age right now at this point in his career you're right brett he is going to be the starter for better or worse mm -hmm. because even if even if Ilya Sansonov wants to come back at a discount you know they have the Nylander extension kicking in and the austin matthews extension kicking in they have less money to go to other pieces and if you want to keep other pieces around all of a sudden maybe that means a million or two less goes to goaltending and that's where a guy like joseph wall on like 1.1 million dollars or whatever the number is is gonna have to be expected to, to carry the load yeah. So I think numbers aside, when you look at the numbers at his limited track record, they look pretty good. Eight, five, and one, 13 starts, um, a nine sixteen save percentage amongst goalies with at least 15 games played this year. That's ninth in the NHL. Um, and he's been out since December the 7th. And it's pretty clear that for the first couple of weeks, everyone in Leafland was sweating buckets because they didn't know what the Leafs were going to do. They didn't know what to do with basically their best mm -hmm. goalie on the shelf. And when you don't have good goaltending, Brett, you notice it big time. So yeah. um, even though Samsonov and Martin Jones have stepped up to the plate on various fronts, Joseph Wall, when injured, uh, even even still, he is the top goalie in my mind for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. And the good news for Toronto is he's back on the ice. He uh, started a rehab game with the Marlies and he won. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's a clear timetable on his return at this moment. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, but if healthy, Joseph Wall definitely plays the part of the Leafs starting netminder. Um by the way, uh, so I was just looking up Dennis Hildeby's stats while you were talking. Um, he has a 9.15 uh, save percentage and a 2.28 GAA um, in Pretty 26 good. games um, as the Marlies. He is 22 years old. Um, so I think that actually had more to do with the fact that like they didn't play him this year. It was the fact that he's 22 years old. And then when you look around the league, you look at like Devin Levi, uh, he was called up and then he hasn't been as good as we had once thought, um, or we True. had hyped him up. Same with Dustin Wolf, Jesper Walstead had like one game and both of them haven't been as good. Um, so I, I think they're, I don't think there's any danger in playing Dennis Hildeby. Um, but I think in terms of developing a goaltender, you also, like, if 
Because, like, you know, like, if you start a rookie forward or a rookie defenseman and call them up, like, yeah, they may be invisible some of the time, and that's okay. But when, but it's so much harder for... But you can insulate them well, at least. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, if you call up a rookie goaltender, like, if they have a bad game, like, <laughs> like you, you're, you've lost the game, literally. So, yeah. Um, so that's that's really where it comes hard to develop a goaltender properly because, yeah, like there are Jeremy Swaymans, there are Jake, um, Jake Ottingers in the world, but like for a team like Toronto, you can't really do that. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. because you want to win games and you can't afford to lo- like give up goals like that, as good as Austin Matthews is, and we'll get into that in a second, but. Especially in a tight Atlantic yeah. division too, where there's a little room right. for error. So it's like, yeah, Calgary can can get away with it because they're not really contending this year. I I I would assume that Dustin Wolf will be called up and played a couple of games after the trade deadline, um, because like those games don't matter anymore. And maybe the same for Buffalo once the with uh, Devin Levi once the Sabers are officially out of it, but. Uh, for Toronto, yeah, they don't have that luxury. Um, and, like, you know, maybe they got something with Joseph Wall because uh, he is still pretty young. But, um, but yeah, I think there is something to, like, doing that without, um, you know, rushing them, the goaltenders in. And that. so when you were mentioning, like, oh, they didn't want to ruin this guy's confidence in Hildeby, I was just thinking, like, yeah, maybe I, I think it has more to do with just the fact that they're contending right now and they they can't afford to to lose it not necessarily that they don't want to ruin this guy's confidence it's more that like that's the worst case scenario is if they yeah you need the most win now goalie there exactly um also i i I wanted to point this out uh joseph wall is six foot three which is which is uh, definitely not some uh def- definitely something that opens your eyes a little bit when you yeah. consider that a guy like Vasilevsky is like six four, six five. Yeah. You know how tall Dennis Hildeby is? He's six uh, foot seven. Yeah, I think I saw that, yeah, when I was looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um yeah. Uh in any case, let's move on to David Riddick. Um we did kind of talk about the the Kings when um a couple weeks ago, uh, because they were struggling. Um and um or they were kind of like doing the reverse Oilers and um, and then they fired their coach. Um, and then, yeah, the Kings have actually... We previously coached the Oilers, I might add. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and then um, and the Kings have actually played uh, pretty well now. Um, they're still like, you know, they're kind of in the playoff race and I guess they could fall apart, but um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're playing a lot better than... Uh, they were when McClellan was there. Um, so it, it seems like that's the right move. Um, but they have um, this guy, uh, they've kind of been doing a tandem with uh, David Riddick and Cam Talbot. Um, and uh, both of them have, like, actually, surprisingly, they both have decent numbers. Um, David Riddick is, uh, we'll start off with him. Um, He's played in 17 games so far, but he's 9-3-1 and one, uh, with a 2.21 GAA and a save percentage of 9-17. Whereas Cam Talbot, 
he was struggling for a little bit in like the middle of the year but he's and, and as we alluded to he did start off really really hot he made it to the all-star that's how hot he was but um but then he started to struggle uh but now he's kind of figured it out i, I don't know how much of this is because of um of uh like the early success but in any case he has a 913 save percentage and a 2.53 gaa he is 16 13 and 3. um there's also i do want to mention phoenix copley who uh, like last year um he was really good for the kings and was a big reason why the kings had that playoff push of course they also had uh junis Corpusalo in the mix um, as a trade deadline deal. Um, and Yeah, to start this year, yeah. he was pretty good, too. Yeah, but uh, Phoenix Copley, um, surprisingly, uh, well, first off, he's out for the rest of the year. But I didn't realize this, but he played in eight games, uh, Copley did, uh, this year. And he had a save, he has a save percentage of 870 and a GAA of 3.16. Now, of course, I don't know, because he had, like, it was an ACL surgery, um, I don't know how much Ooh. of his performance was due to the fact that uh, he was in 100%. So I don't necessarily know, and, I, you know, you never know with these surgeries. It's very possible that we'll never see him again. But at the same time, I do want to mention him, because if we're talking about goaltenders of the future, that's the case. Of course... Uh, they the same Kings team they traded away Jonathan Quick to Columbus in that deal with Corpusalo. Um, and Jonathan Quick all of a sudden is like having a resurgence in New York, um, again. Um, but like even still, like Jonathan Quick was actually two separate deals, but yeah. either way, they got Corpusalo to oh, yeah. Columbus and they and they dealt Quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's a good point. Um, and um, but in any case. Quick is like 37 years old, so even if they still had Jonathan Quick, it's not like you could rely on him anyways just because of who he is. Um, and, you know, he's an automatic Hall of Famer. Um, he'll have his number retired in L.A., um, I imagine, um, as soon as he retires or whatever. But, um, but yeah, in any case, um, so Jonathan Quick, they don't have Jonathan Quick anymore. He wouldn't have been there. They also... Um, traded away Cal Peterson um, and, um, and moved him on. They, they demoted him last year and all that stuff. So, um, but I guess Cal Peterson, he's, uh, he's not doing so Philadelphia right now anyway. So, um, so maybe that, that is uh, a good, good thing that they let him go. But in any case, uh, Cam Talbot, David Riddick, and uh, Phoenix Cop Copley are all UFAs next year. Uh, Riddick is 31 years old, uh, Phoenix Copley is 32 years old, and Cam Talbot is 36 uh, years old. Um, I imagine that, because I, I mean, I guess they could go out and get a goaltender uh, because they, they are one of those teams, kind of like New Jersey, where they're a goaltender away. So like a likelihood they go out and get like a UC Saros or Jacob Markstrom or something like that. But um, I will say I've been impressed by David Riddick. Um, I've been watching a few Kings games lately because um, they're kind of an interesting team nowadays. But, um, but yeah, David Riddick has had an interesting career. He was 
Winnipeg's backup for a little bit. Uh, for our sorry, uh, Connor Hellebuck's backup for a little bit. He did have a 901 save percentage last year, but it was only 21 games. He did go nine eight and one. I'm in Winnipeg. He was also UC Saros backup where he was even worse, but he still went six three and four. Um, so so there's that. Um, he was in Toronto for a couple um, for four games. Uh, not great, sub 900 there, but four games, you know, small sample size. So he's never actually been, like this is his best season so far. Of course, it's still 17 games that he's played um, and all that stuff, and I don't think you can rely on him in the future. But I, I do think that he he would be a better solution of the three guys. Because for Cam Talbot, he's 36 years old right now. Um, yes, he has the best resume um, so far. Like, he he was pretty good for uh, a chunk of his career. But at the same time, if he's 36 years old, he's going to be 37 next year. I don't know if you want to rely on a 37-year-old next year. Uh, Phoenix Copley... He is 32 years old. Uh, I guess there is a chance that he could come back and be better than ever. But at the same time, you know, you look at like last, you know, like Corey Schneider, Corey Crawford, Robin Leonard, um, guys who just goalies who've had surgery uh, later in their career and then they just never played again. Um, and forced out of retirement. So I don't know, and it's also like, like yeah, he was a big reason why the Kings were good last year. But at the same time, I was just looking this up. Phoenix Copley had a 903 save percentage and a 2.64 GAA to the point where they had to get in Junis Corpusalo um, into the mix uh, to, to kind of make that playoff push for the Kings. So... I don't know if you want to rely on Phoenix Copley as well. Um, but I, I do kind of like what uh, David Riddick has going for, for the Kings in the moment. Um, so so I, I guess technically I think he is the guy, but I imagine they'll have to find a goaltender either during this trade deadline or they go out um, in the offseason and sign a goaltender um, as a free agent. The best season that David Rick had was in 2018-19 when he won 27-9-5 with a 9-11 save percentage. And he was all right, but not as good the year pro uh, the year after where he won 24-17-6. and six. Uh, That was uh, when COVID cut things uh, short in 2020. Mm -hmm. And Cam Talbot, oddly enough, was the guy who kind of took over in the Flames net when he was struggling a little bit oh, and right. was the guy that the Calgary Flames leaned on uh, in the playoffs against Dallas, where I think they got bounced in the first round. Um, so oddly enough that uh, Talbot and Riddick are a tandem again uh, in yep. hindsight in a different Pacific uh, division team. Um, that being said, prior to this year, I didn't even know if David Riddick was a serviceable backup. And my opinion has changed on that because currently amongst goalies with at least 15 games played, he's third in GAA 2.21 and his 917 save percentage, as you mentioned, Brad, that ranks six 
in that department of goalies with at least 15 games played this season. And the record speaks for itself. Nearly a thousand minutes played as well. Um, and while he didn't really get the reps until uh, game 28, that was his season debut, and it was against the Sharks. And then he played the Sharks again uh, later that same month and also won that. So his sample size wasn't really that big other than a couple of starts against one of the league's worst teams. Um, but then you get to the part where the Kings are dropping games like flies. Um, and it and, and uh, you also have Cam Talbot hurt for a bit, and obviously Phoenix Copley is injured. Uh, the Kings won three games in the month of January. Riddick got the decision in all of those victories. Uh, and to start February, they've won five of seven. Uh, and while Talbot has started three in a row, David Riddick was a big part of that early February resurgence. Um, and I think if you're a goalie and you're playing on a team with a lot of expectations, the least you do is give him a chance to win, as we mentioned with Joseph Bull and the Maple Leafs. So even if he's Thomas Grace, where at his best, he's a 1B goalie. At worst, he's a respectable backup that still plays years and years and years down the line. That's still, that's still something. That's still good uh, at this level. And I definitely think David Reddick can be that for the Kings. I don't trust him as the guy going into a playoff series, though. It, it like in order to play playoff hockey, you need to just have this moxie about you. He definitely has confidence, but that put up or shut mentality uh, is something that you need to have as a successful goaltender. And you see a lot of today's starters have that kind of moxie. I question if David Riddick has that when the moment is biggest and brightest. And um, for that reason, especially with the heaps of expectations placed on the King's shoulders, Rob Blake also on an expiring contract. He's pressured to make big decisions and really go for it and not just sit back and wait for something to happen. So whether it's in the trade deadline, which I assume is the case, or this offseason, I expect Rob Blake to trade or sign a legitimate starting goaltender. Uh, and I think it's most likely trade because yeah. the starting goalie market, there's not really a lot out there in free agency. So if you're the Kings, you have the prospects, you have the draft picks, make a move. Yeah. Make a move or get the heck out of the way. So I, I think David Riddick is back next year, but I think it's as a reliable backup, not as a starter. Yeah, I guess so. Although I think like I I'm I'm willing or open for Riddick to prove me wrong in that sense, but I do agree with you um, that I think there is something there. The other thing that's kind of interesting about the Kings and their goalie situation is like if you look at other teams, like like yeah, Calgary's probably gonna trade Jacob Markstrom pretty soon. Um, maybe not. I don't know, but. The contract is that's a big if because yeah. he's got multiple years and his okay. cap is like six million. But uh, my my point being that like at least they have Dustin Wolf in their system. If yeah, the, true. If the Predators trade UC Saros, they have Askarov, Jesper uh, mm -hmm. Wallstedt, like Gustafsson and Flurry are you know kind of shaky at the moment, um, but at least they have Wallstedt. You know I could go up about this on a, a bunch of teams but for LA their best goaltender prospect wise 
is Eric Portillo. Um, and um, he's, you know, he's not bad. I guess he could eventually be something. Um, he was decent in the University of Michigan, but it's not like I would necessarily consider him like a guy that you could trust to take over the net in a few years. Um, although I guess, you know, just looking here, he does have a nice um, uh, AHL season, at least. He has a 9.21 save percentage and a 2.45 GAA in 26 games. So um, so there's that. But, um, but it is, like, interesting that, like, you know, a lot of these gold tenders, like, I imagine the Kings will try to find another goalie um, elsewhere. But it is kind of interesting from the standpoint that they don't necessarily have a goaltender in their system to um, to take over the net um, if they need to, um, because like you know they traded away Cal Peterson, so I, I am kind of interest. Uh, you know, it's like that was supposed to be their guy of the future, but it turns out Cal Peterson wasn't the guy. Um, What's also funny about that is that Eric Portillo. Uh, arrived in L.A. from the same place he left, which is the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, that's right. Because Cal Pearson was Buffalo Sabres' property yep. uh, when they drafted him in 2013, and then eventually he made his way to the Kings. I think it's yeah. because either he didn't want to sign with Buffalo or Buffalo didn't want to sign him. It was one of those two reasons. Yeah. And then he had, you know, a decent run with the Kings until he got paid and it all fell apart. And Portillo was a guy that was drafted by the Sabres in 2019, and yep. he's made his way to the Kings now, too. Yep, good point. Um, all right, so now we actually get somewhat interesting uh, situation here going on, um, mm-hmm. and it's Charlie Lindgren and the Washington Capitals. Um, uh, there, it's interesting in a couple of ways, because one, uh, Charlie Lindgren has a 914 save percentage and a 2.64 GAA. He is uh, 26, oh, sorry, 12, 8, and 5. Um and Kemper has is uh, 12, 12, and three, but a 894 save percentage and a 3.16 GAA. Uh, so Kemper has played in uh, 28 games, and Lindgren has started in 27. The other reason why this is interesting too is is like you know, uh, like in Toronto's case, we had Samsonov and Martin Jones who are free agents next year. All three of the Kings goalies that we were talking about were free agents next year as well. But in this case, uh, Lindgren um, um, has two years left on his contract, including this year, um, with uh, making 1.1 as an uh, 1.1 million as an AAV this year. But Darcy Kemper. Pretty good value. Yeah, pretty good value. Um, But Darcy Kemper has. four more years left, including this year, um, at five point two five million. Um, so I think it's three left after this year, but yeah, still multiple years, and that's I, a lot of money. I, I said even to a starter that's been in the league longer. I said four, including this year. Um, so oh, okay. Um, so um, what's what's interesting about this is that like, like from I remember that I think it was I forget if it was two, but. Lindgren was actually like not bad um, against um, uh, when he was in St. Louis um, as Jordan Bennington's yeah, backup. Yeah, he, he made he made five appearances yeah. and won all of them. 
Yeah, and then he was pretty, he was even de- decent in Montreal for a couple of years. Um, although, like, I'm looking here that I guess he's had like a couple that are sub 900 uh, save percentages, but they're all like very like um, I guess the high until last year his highest um, games played was um, in Montreal in 2017-2018 where he played 14 games. Um, I guess the thing that is slightly um, could get a little bit concerning is last year when he played for Washington, uh, he played in 31 games for them, um, and he had an 899 save percentage and a 3.05 GAA. Uh, but at the same time, he's 30 years old, um, and Kemper is 33 years old. So it is an interesting situation just because Kemper, it's not like even if, like I feel like Lindgren should get more starts and right now it seems like it's a 1A 1B situation but uh, but at the same time it's like even if like the Capitals decide to go with Lindgren it's not like I I, I don't think there's going to be many teams that are willing to take on Darcy Kemper's contract Um, so so that that makes it a little bit intriguing from that you're just like wait a second um, like, what what do the Capitals do here? Because they may just need to, um, you know, Lindgren more just for the sake of winning games and getting something out of Ovechkin's last couple of days um, in his career as the Washington Capitals, you know, just trying to get that goals record and whatnot. But um, the Capitals, they, of course, they want to be winning games. So... I, I am kind of intrigued by what um, the Capitals do here in net because I feel like they should start to ride more, but at the same time, it may not make the most sense because you're paying a guy uh, $5.2 million to be a backup. I don't know if that's the smartest idea at the same time. Which is funny because when they got Darcy Kemper um, in free agency, it was that was the whole thing. It was like, keep the team competitive – Right. And hope Ovech can get that goal scoring record and just keep the puck out of the net. And you know what? For the first year, Kemper was great. He was clearly hands down the number one goaltender. He's getting paid like it. Yep. And this year, for whatever reason, it's been the exact opposite where Charlie Lindgren has been the better goalie. And you look at the goals for goals against Washington's in negative 30 and they, they're still above 500. And they're, they're still like, they're a long shot to make the playoffs still. Yep. But like, there's, there's still, they're still in the swing of They're things still in the mix, yeah. uh, ahead of Pittsburgh uh, within striking distance of, of the Islanders too. Um, and a guy like Charlie Lindgren has played, you know, respectable goaltending. When I look at that goals four goals against, when I look at the goal differential, I'm just thinking, man, this team has must, must have won a lot of one goal games. Cause how else are they winning? Right. Um, and Charlie Lindgren has probably been uh, the benefactor of a lot of those one-goal victories because his numbers have been clearly better. Um, at, at the same time, though, if if you're the Washington Capitals and you're trying to stay competitive and you're trying to get Ovechkin that goal-scoring record, if you're trying to do all of that, where can you offload money and get better where you're weakest? And if you think Charlie Lindgren is good enough to provide good enough goaltending, if you can offload Darcy Kemper's contract, as tough as that might be, I'd argue it's 
probably more challenging than offloading Markstrom because Markstrom's actually playing the part of an upper echelon goaltender right now. Right. Um, but even still, that's a lot of money to offload. Um, but if you can offload, then great, fantastic. You have a bit of cap space to play with now. Um, obviously, there's um, Evgeny Kuznetsov out of the lineup, Anthony Mantha being a shell of his former self, Nicholas Backstrom with the injury troubles that he's had. I guess you have a bit of LTIR cap space to play with, but you know, even then, like, <laughs> like what? Who's your best player that isn't struggling right now? Dylan Strome, like. Yeah. Alex Ovechkin's been heating up lately, but still on track for one of his worst goal-scoring seasons in probably his career. Yeah. So I I can see a world where Charlie Lindgren is the goaltender in Capitals. I don't know if it's going to be next year, though. Well, I mean, next year he's going – that's his last year on his contract, so I don't know if that's necessarily um, – you know, he may not even be a free agent if it's if it isn't next year, uh, or on another well, team. If if a team is struggling for goaltending help, and you you know maybe there's like a Devin Dubnik kind of situation, yeah. uh, that you know he just pops into a team's lap and all of a sudden he's a starter there, and then he takes off. That could be something. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you do bring up a good point, and that I forgot about that last year Darcy Kemper was pretty good for the Capitals. Um, and uh, so I do wonder if it's like it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde situation where it's like you don't know which one is the real Kemper. Is it the one this year that's struggling or is it the one last year who was like who could um, who could be a good, you know, keep the capitals into the mix and something. So from that standpoint, it's like I don't know what capitals do from that point of view because because um, you don't want to trade. Kemper away, and then all of a sudden you find out that Kemper is actually oh that was the guy you had two years ago, um, so uh, so I I I think maybe you wait one more year and see what what uh, what yeah. Kemper you get, um, and then maybe you trade him away if Kemper isn't good. Of course that, that that means that his value is lower than it once was right now, but uh, but I think it's the risk that the Capitals should be willing to take and also you had mentioned that Ovechkin has um has had his worst season so far from a goals standpoint which is true but he is starting to heat up I think he has like eight goals in his last eight games so um of course it's yep. eight so I I, <laughs> I think it's um he's, he's starting to get figure things out now because of course he does um so I just wanted to mention that as well uh this one uh this next um team that we're going to talk about is kind of like a closed open and shut case pretty um uh, as we're going to get um and i'm talking about um alex lyon um he um he has a save percentage of 916 and a gaa of 2.68 um and um he's 17 8 and 2 um with uh with 27 games uh, Vili Huso, although to be fair to Huso, he was um, injured for, or he's still injured for a little bit. But, um, but yeah, he when he's been healthy, uh, he hasn't been. It's it's almost like he was injured. Uh, he has an 8.92 save percentage and a GAA of 3.55, and he's 9.5 and 2 with that, which isn't bad. And then James Reimer, um, 
I should also mention he has a 904 save percentage and a 2.9 HGAA. Um, his wins and losses are 5, 6, and 2. So he has not been good. Um, the good news, though, is that um, Alex Lyon has a pretty good uh, contract. Um, he's making just 900k, so 900,000, um, for two more years. Um, and uh, James Reimer, who uh, isn't having a great year, he's making 1.5 million, um, as uh, and he's going to be a free agent next year. Um, and then you have Billy Huso, who's making 4.75 million for two more years. Um, and I, I think this is an open and shut case because you have the best goaltender on the cheapest contract and your worst goaltender is going to be a free agent next year anyways. And you don't have to play him. Uh, Billy Huso, yeah, his, his season isn't going so great. But I think, um, I think he could be relied upon when it matters. Also, the thing that's interesting about Lyon um, – before I bring it to you, is that he, um, last year, the Panthers picked him up, and uh, he basically, Bobrovsky was not doing so hot, um, and Leon's just started winning games. They, they had no choice but to start Alex Leon because uh, Spencer Knight was um, injured, Bobrovsky just wasn't doing so well, and Leon comes in, and he makes the he brings them into the playoffs. Yes, he starts to struggle once they're into the playoffs, but it doesn't matter because then Bobrovsky comes back. So, so that's or you know becomes what we expected Bobrovsky to be. Um, so, Leon goes to Detroit, and now he's doing it again. Um, and I think he's in a better situation now in Detroit than he is. In Florida, of course, he could just turn into a pumpkin uh, tomorrow. But I do think that um, I do think that he's you know he he has a better shot of being the goalie of the future um, in the mix um, compared to what he was in Florida. Um, and also, I think that Detroit did get end up getting a goaltender. Um, Oh, yeah, they do have Sebastian Kosa in uh, their system. I think they also mm -hmm. got, uh, oh, Trey Augustine, um, who's a college goaltender who's, who's doing pretty well in college as well. So they do have, uh, like, if, if um, Alex Leon doesn't end up being the guy or Billy Huso doesn't end up being the guy, they do have Kosa in the mix. They also have Trey Augustine in the mix as well. So... They're pretty good. Um, or they have a good luxury of goaltenders um, in their system if, if that ends up being their downfall. Yeah, the numbers on Kosa, another big goalie. He's 6'6 uh, um, from Hamilton, Ontario. And looking at his AHL numbers, 11, 7, and 5, not too bad. 263 GAA, 909 save percentage, a lot better than. Uh, is breached in the AHL last year. So uh, slight improvements, but definitely a far cry from NHL ready at this point. You mentioned how the Bobrovsky playoff surge doesn't happen without the Alex Line late regular season surge. 
that gets Florida into the playoffs. In that run, you mentioned Brady had a 9-14 save percentage and a 9-4-2 record. Uh, his 9-16 save percentage among toys with at least 15 games played this year is uh, 11th, 11th best save percentage in that department. His GAA is 18th best at 2.68. He is uh, also top 30 in shots faced and saves made uh, this year to go along with his 17-8-2 uh, record. Uh, we didn't see this guy make a start for Detroit until game 17, which was November 17th versus Toronto. Uh, that uh, was, of course, a 4-2 win for the Red Wings. And I believe I believe that was in the second half of a back-to-back. -back. Uh, he then wins uh, three straight after losing his uh, season debut. Uh, he got the decision uh, in four of the last six November games as well. In all of December, he only got four decisions. Uh, but the Red Wings were really, really not good in that month. They went from 13-7-3 to just 17-16-4 and and uh, into that crowd of, oh, shoot, we might not make the playoffs anyhow. Uh, and that's notable because uh, Red Wings have a playoff drought to finally snap that's been active uh, longer than, in fact, than my Ottawa Senators. Fun fact. Uh, so with so now injured, and uh, Reimer still in the mix, I guess. Uh, Lion earns decisions in seven straight games on two separate occasions. Uh, you have a James Reimer start in the middle of that. So 14 of 15 tilts uh, since the Huso injury, he comes in uh, and he gets decisions there. Uh, Reimer's decision on January 14th uh, is the only Red Wings non-Lion decision in the month of January. And like I said, that was on a back-to-back. -back, so that explains a lot. Um, since then, Lyon um, has uh, his second uh, streak uh, where he gets uh, decisions in seven straight. That was actually uh, extended 10 games before Reimer broke that. And in six of seven February games, Lyon has been recorded with the decision. You mentioned the short-term value on Huso's contract. I definitely think that's another thing that plays into the factor of Alex Lyon's future with the Red Wings and whether he's a starter or a backup. I think similar to like a Thomas Grice uh, or a David Reddick, uh, he can be at, um, I think at best, a solid 1B um, and at, at worst, a capable backup. Um, the one thing that he has going for him in terms of being a starter, and you look at how he was able to play on such short notice for the Panthers last year, and likewise with Detroit, uh, when he basically entered the season when the team had already played 15, 20 games on their schedule. He just goes out there. He gives you a chance to win regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what day it is, what time the game starts. He goes out there and he competes. And I think that is invaluable to any NHL goaltender to excel in this league is to have that kind of mentality that it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. I'm going to give it my all for this team. And just like clockwork every single day had that same mindset. And he's really reaping the rewards, rewards of that right now. Like prior to the last year, he didn't even play like 10 games in an NHL season. So I think the inexperience uh, goes against line in that regard. But I definitely think the mindset, the mentality, uh, the results, uh, they definitely play into um, his favor as to, you know, his future as an NHL starter potentially someday.
I think it also depends on where Steve Eisman sees the so-called Yeiser plane and where the Red Wings are at. Because if the Detroit Red Wings are ready to take that next step and they make the playoffs and they go on a run or they make the playoffs and they realize, okay, in order for us to take the next step, our goaltending needs to be better and maybe Alex Lyon isn't that guy. And then they go out and they make a trade for a starting goaltender, even if it's a short-term starting goaltender, to buy time for the likes of Sebastian Cosa to potentially rise up the ranks and become that guy in like four to five years. I'm not saying someone like Linus Olmark or a UC Saros or a Jacob Markstrom, but someone with starter experience that can help take a team to the next level. Because if the Red Wings continue to improve at this rate, they're going to be a playoff regular again. And uh, for a lot of teams in the Atlantic Division, that's not as, uh, that's that's definitely a scary sight because we know how good the Red Wings were yeah. the last time they were playoff regulars. And not to say they're going to be at that level, but they're definitely going to be a threat, no question. I don't know about playoff regular just yet. I, f- I feel like that's too um, bullish on them. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously they, they've uh, been pretty good this year. Uh, and uh, Patrick Kane, I guess he's, he's pretty good. Who knew? Uh, so, There's also this guy named Marco Casper who's yeah. got a lot of hype around him in the minors. So yeah. when he eventually makes his debut and, you know, a couple of years in, you put him in with like Lucas mm-hmm. Raymond and Moritz Sider down the line. I mean, they're they're They have the potential to be playoff regulars with the amount of talent, of course, that they have. Sure. Um, Simon Edvinson as well. Um, yeah. Jim. On the back end. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, now we go to uh, Joey Decord. Um, this is also kind of an interesting uh, situation, too, uh, because, uh, yeah, we were talking about this off the air, but Joey Decord, uh, he really started to get going when Grubauer got injured. Um, and then when Grubauer became healthy again, they um, not only did Grubauer not really start, um, but they also called up Chris Dreger for a little bit, and uh, Decord still started most of the games. Um, so Decord is uh, 16, 12, and 10, with a save percentage of 919 and a 2.45 GAA. Grubauer is a 7, 9, and 1, with a 2.99 GAA and a save percentage of 892. Um, however, what's also interesting here is that Decord has um, is uh, has 1.2 million for two two years, um, including this year, and then um, Grubauer has four more years left uh, with a 5.9 million um, there. Uh, Decord is 27 years old, and Grubauer is 32 years old as well, which is um, also interesting too compared to the other goalies that we talked about um and what's also interesting is that the court hits free agency once his contract expires too well yeah that, of course <laughs> that's the i same. mean for a goalie at his age like he'll be 28 when he hits the open market like uh, goalie and uh just before he hits 30 uh and if he has another big season like uh, he, he could he could be a sought after target <laughs> okay i thought because you were saying it's like, yes, he'll be a free agent after his contract expires. I'm like, yeah, that's how contracts work. 
Um, <laughs> no, but some guys are restricted free agents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, DeCorey's I don't, been a prospect for okay, gotcha. a hot minute, too. Gotcha. I don't think you mention UFAs. I think you just said, like, oh, he's just going to be a free agent after his contract expires. I'm like, yeah, duh. Yeah, fair. Um, in any I case, feel like it wouldn't have been noteworthy if he was still in life, the team still at Bryce. But anyways, Gary. Yeah, in any case, what's interesting about DeCord, and we talked about this after that Winter Classic game, but uh, first mm-hmm. off, he uh, went to Arizona State. Um, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also born in Boston, Massachusetts, so I have some uh, bias towards him, I guess. Um, and uh, so I love this guy. But um, he also played for my Ottawa Senators and was drafted by said Ottawa Senators. So, so I think we're both fans of his. We're both fans of his. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but fan, fan favorite of the podcast. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and. Um, but however, having said all that, um, it's interesting just because like I, I like yeah you had talked him up before because I remember when it was uh, the Seattle expansion draft. It might have even been the Vegas draft um, back then. But you were kind of worried that no, it was it was the Seattle expansion was the, draft. Yeah, I guess that doesn't yeah the timeline doesn't check out if it was Vegas. That's a good point. But um, but yeah, in the Seattle draft, you were kind of worried that uh, Ottawa. Or uh, Seattle would take Joey Decord um, as the Ottawa pick, and that's and it, <laughs> ended up being the case. So that was when I, yeah, I, was I had him. Pissed. Yeah, I had him on my uh, radar because of you. But then um, when he really started to get going was in um, he was in the AHL playoffs or the Coachella Valley Firebirds, I think is their uh, yep, team name. Correct. They um, they were in the uh, the AHL Cup or the Calder Cup, um, and uh, Joey Decord ended up being that goaltender in the AHL there, and uh, yeah, he was he was doing really really well. And of course, that was around the time when Seattle was in the playoffs and making that push too. And um, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Decord was uh, doing really well, and Coachella Valley was doing really well in the AHL. Um, so. Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting that like when they call Joey Decord up, and I assume they were they were like thinking because Chris, Chris Dreiger, I think it's Dreiger, it might be Dreiger, um, Dreiger, Dreiger, um, he was kind of the the guy too, um, or like he was the backup last year for Grubauer, and Grubauer like he started off not being too great, but then. He kind of picked it up towards the end of the season. When it was they actually Martin Jones, oddly enough. Yeah, that's Streeter true. was also injured. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, good call. Um, but yeah, Grubauer actually kind of picked it up towards the end of the season last mm-hmm. year. Um, but I I think once the playoffs came around, it was pretty clear that Grubauer wasn't their long-term option. Um, and Joey Decord, yeah, to his credit, he, he did play really well in the AHL. Um, I think what's interesting here is that, like, when Grubauer gets injured, a lot of things need to happen for Joey Decord to be the guy because then they try Chris Drager, and he's not doing so hot. So then they call up Joey Decord, and Joey Decord suddenly becomes this, you know, the, uh, the goaltender that or goes on this run, sort of, sort of speak. Um, I think the fact that he is on a good contract the fact that um, he is 27 years old, 
I think this means that they'll have to ride Joey Decord out. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like a Washington Capitol situation that we're talking about where we'll see if Grubauer can figure things out because we do know that Grubauer does have a history um, of being a good goaltender. Like he was a part of that Colorado Avalanche team uh, that won the Stanley Cup. Um, and same with Kemper too. Uh, but um, but it's, um, or Kemper was also on Colorado, I should mention. Um, but like- Grubauer is also on Colorado. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> you also said Kemper was. Yeah, well, both of them were on Colorado. Um, it, was, it was my point. Um, yeah, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just interesting cause it's, uh, I feel like they might like Seattle might have to do what they're doing with, with what Washington will probably inevitably do too, is where they'll start the guy, um, that's going to give them wins, even if that's the guy who's on the cheaper contract and, you know, and not the guy that they signed as a free agent because they assumed that guy was going to be the guy. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I imagine that's what will happen, and and then they just decide on what to do um, in the following year. And, like, you know, you assume that Joey Decord can end up becoming more of the starter, but at the same time, like, there's a possibility that he turns – he has a bad season next year – um, yeah, you know, like he, he's yeah. next year's Philip Gustafson. Exactly. So, um, so it's that you know, obviously he has to like continue to do well. He he just got um, blasted by the Minnesota Wild um, last night. So, for instance, so um, so yeah, it's, it's very possible that he's not um, as good as we once thought. But uh, he's been very impressive this year. So uh, he does deserve a shot to or to have to become the starter at the very least. Yeah. Um, the 16, 12, and 10 record is, you know, pretty respectable on the surface. When you look at the other numbers that come with it, I'm very curious to see how many best in votes this guy gets because I definitely think he's deserving of at least a few, I don't know, if, like it just a fifth place votes count or I think it's only top three. But either way, whatever the lowest vote is, You'll probably get a bunch of those because uh, this guy is 10th in the NHL in minutes played this year over or just under 2250. So 2,249 minutes and three seconds to be exact uh, in those 39 appearances. He has picked up a pair of shutouts, um, but he's also faced a lot of shots. 1,131, that's ninth highest in the league. He stopped 1,039 of them. That's ninth most in the league. His GAA of 2.45, Brett, as you mentioned, among goalies with at least 15 games played, that's eighth. And his 919 save percentage is fifth, which is absolutely ridiculous for a guy that, similar to Alex Lyon, uh, didn't really play a whole lot up until this season because, you know, he was developing in the minors for, yeah. for quite a bit. And I definitely think it was time and money well spent, well invested into this guy. And the thing that really stuck out to me when Joey Decord was in Ottawa, and I've said it a couple of times already, is the Sens, when Joey Decord was, you know, basically just a prospect, not really much of a household name like he is now, um, 
What would you call him a household name? I I would. Yeah, anyway. I was about to say I don't um, I don't think I would call him a household name just yet. He's on his way there. He's on his way there. He, he is anyway. on his way that I think he needs some playoff experience or do well in the playoffs in order to be a household name. Anyways, when Matt Murray got injured, a phrase that we heard all too well here uh, in Canada's capital with the Ottawa Senators, uh, Joey Decord makes his first NHL start, uh, or his first start of the year it was, and I believe the Sens win that game, and he gave him a chance to win. Uh, his NHL debut against the Sabres uh, in the middle of, uh, towards the end of a horrid, I think it was the 18-19 campaign, where he made his debut. He had just finished his season at Arizona State. He had his Arizona State gear on and everything. The Sens lose, I think, 4-2, but he still gave him a chance to win. And throughout that weird Canadian bubble campaign, which unfortunately ended for Decor because he got injured, suffered a season-ending injury, um, every single time he went out there practically, he gave his team a chance to win, and the team responded well when he played. They trotted out goalies like Philip Gustafson, Anton Forsberg, and Matt Murray all in that season. There might have been a few others that I missed, but those were the primary guys. And then there was Joey Decord. And out of those four goaltenders, the numbers might not have shown it, but Joey Decord, to me, looked like the most comfortable and the most composed and the guy who I think this would have gotten uh, the best results for the Sens. Uh, at that point in time. And the moment that he became exposed in the expansion draft because they protected, uh, I think it was Matt Murray, and uh, I think, I can't remember if Philip Gustafson was uh, exempt from that draft or not. I think so, uh, yeah. But Joey Decord, nevertheless, was available. And I'm just like, if the Seattle Kraken are very, very smart, which I believe they are, Joey Decord is as good as gone, and that's sad. And sure enough, he was. And... As they were going through that playoff run in Coachella Valley last year, as Joey Decord is making his mark at the Winter Classic this year against the Vegas Golden Knights, as Seattle, just out of nowhere, is surging up um, in, like, mid-December and riding this guy all the way back into the playoff conversation, I'm just like, this guy is as good as I thought he was going to be. And, yes, goalies are a tough breed to grade, but I really believe in this kid, and I think this is the start of something special. And I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity to excel right yeah. now. He is definitely going to be a star of this league, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, he is in a good situation. The fact that he's 27 is, um, is kind of crazy. Uh, it, I didn't but, realize he was 27 already, too, I know, dude. I know. Man, it's crazy. Um, so the, the thing that does concern me is the same as what it concerns and Washington is just like, Oh, well, if you're going to pay Kemper 5 million or roughly 5 million, um, and same with Grubauer, if you're going to pay them 5 million, then you're going to have to start them <laughs> for a majority of the time. But at the same time, Grubauer and Kemper aren't what they thought they were. Um, and there's something going on with them. And, um, and it's like, okay, well, you kind of have to start, like, at some point, you have to start playing the goaltender who's going to win you games. And that's probably going to be Kemper. Or, sorry, that's probably going to be uh, Decord or uh, Lindgren. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it might, might just be a while before that becomes the case. Although, I, you know, as we alluded to, it's like, 
Decord already has a ton of starts or more starts than Grubauer. Um, so so maybe that's already happening where uh, they just and maybe they try to trade Gru, uh, Grubauer over the off season or something like that um, and see what they can get because uh, there's going to be teams like the Kings, the Devils, the Sabers who are going to be looking for goaltenders um, uh, for for a while and um, yeah so they're kind of lucky that they have someone in Decord who can be that guy. And he's on a cheap contract, so so that's good too. Um, the problem with uh, trading Grubauer is I don't really know if you can because not only out of the goaltenders that we talked about, his his AV's near six million, yeah. roughly the same as Markstrom's. His numbers are arguably, I would say, if yeah. like they're on Kemper's level right now. I guess that's and, true. And he's just such a streaky goaltender. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'm just thinking that I feel like he has some name value, but yeah, yeah a little bit. You're right, and the fact that he did. I don't know have if he a, has a whole lot. The fact that he did have a cup um, in Colorado, I, I think that could hold some weight. Kind of like if Matthew, if Matt Murray can Actually, get Actually, he went to Seattle, I think, a year before Colorado oh, that's right. won that cup. So. He does have a cup in Washington, though, as Holpe's backup. So that, that's right. Okay, you're, you're I think, technically right with, but also being wrong. So. I, uh, yeah, I think I got confused there, but you're right. Um, yeah, it was it was a tight time frame. The other thing I'm looking at with Seattle Kraken uh, in terms of their cap hits is Everly's five point five is coming off the books. Wenberg's four point five is coming off the books. Tatar at one point five. Uh, Justin Schultz at three million on the nose. Drieger's contract that uh, yep. is. Currently on the Barry penalty is two point three five million, so you have that coming off the books. So that's good, uh, and uh, you know it kind of solves some of your problems until you realize Eli Tolvanen is an RFA and Matthew Beneers is an RFA at the end of the season, and the problems are only going to continue as you know guys like Ty Curdy need to be paid yeah. their next contracts when Shane Wright finally makes it big and hopefully shoots out the lights uh the same problem uh ty nelson uh name name any seattle kraken prospect that has a lot of hype on their name they have a lot of young prospects and fortunately by the time most of them are going to get paid grubauer is probably his contract is probably expired by then they don't have to worry about that but for the time being as they're trying to be competitive that does pose a problem yeah, although I mean, I will say like, pros, you know, you know, who knows if all these prospects are gonna pan out like we think they are. That's so, the thing, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I I knew that you were going that route, but it's like, yeah, you probably do want to pay Matt, Matty Beneers, although he is struggling this year. But I think yeah, you shouldn't worry about him just yet. Uh, but yeah, I I guess you you do have a point. But it's like, yeah, if you're planning for the future, maybe. Maybe you do start to worry about that, but I don't know. I, I think I think you could find something, but in any case, I noticed that my food is almost here or is <laughs> delivered. So um, one thing I'm not worried about is Joey Decor at the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna start off with the rapid fire here, starting the no. timer now. Um, AM thirty four. Of course, I'm talking about Austin Matthews. Uh, he has fifty two goals right now, uh, which is pretty pretty good, I think. Um, some might say, yeah. So uh, 50, 52 goals in um, why? Oh, in um, 
in uh, 56 games. Uh, he's on pace for 75 goals. Um, I think that would be like the first uh, to reach 70 goals in the lockout post lockout era. Um, so that would be um, pretty cool if he can set that. Um, it would be even cooler if he got like 82 goals, but also for 75, I think that's fine. Um, yes, but, if he passed Solani 76 that he said ages ago, yeah. like that's ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like a marvel. I I can't believe we're we're like in a time when we see Connor McDavid, who's like the best hockey player we've ever seen. And we're also just so happened to be in the same lifespan of Austin Matthews, who might be the best goal scorer we've ever seen. Um, so it's just crazy that we're like those two are in this league at the same time. Of course, like Sidney Crosby is doing his thing. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, as we just talked about, you know, he's, he's getting going. He might end up being the all-time goal scorer when all said and done uh Connor Bedard is getting going again it's just like it's incredible that we're we're seeing um all these guys in the league at the same time um it's just incredible to watch him play even though he plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs who I don't love the team but I I do love Austin Matthews yeah Americans who can play in Canada some more for taking all your good players I have a soft spot for all Americans yeah I, I guess yeah, that's... that's Ottawa a, even has pretty good check. <laughs> I, I will say that if the Maple Leafs do somehow win the cup in my lifetime with Austin Matthews, I'll be able to say it's like, yeah, you wouldn't have won without an like an American. Without an American, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll just be like... Yeah, I and can, also Joseph Ball, who's yeah, an American, of That's course. true, too. Yeah, uh, so I can also hold that over yeah. Also wanted to shout out Nikita Kucherov, who became the first skater to reach yeah. 100 points before the trade deadline. He did that with a four-point game against the Devils on Sunday, so congrats to him. Yep. Um, yeah, good call there. Also, um, before we move on, uh, so Matthews has 52 goals. Uh, Sam mm-hmm. Reinhardt, who's the next closest, he has 39 goals. Um, that's the second guy. So that's like that's like a 10-goal difference almost. Um, that's kind of that's crazy in its own its own way. Um, okay, uh, speaking of nice goals, uh, uh, Quinton Byfield had a nice one. Um, he kind of like basically made Zach Wierenski look like an AHL defenseman, um, which is impressive. Like he had like uh, he just stick handled. He got a breakaway. He kind of went through Wierenski's legs and then managed to score against Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, he's having actually not a bad season. I know, like, in years, like, last year, we kind of were thinking, like, maybe by we don't know what you're getting out of Byfield. Maybe he's never going to live up to his potential. But he's low-key having a pretty nice year. Uh, he has a 42 points in 53 games. Um, I also wanted to mention, because I just uh, looked at this, of, like, how the 2020 draft class is doing this year of course timmy stutzla um is leading that draft class this year in the nhl with 53 points in 55 games uh then you have lucas raymond with 48 points in 57 games but you know i mean i i I assume the kings and the rangers would rather have stutzla or raymond or even seth jarvis or jj paterka but I do think that there is something where it's like, okay, well, at least you're getting something out of these guys. 
Um, Brock Faber was also in that class too. So, um, so yeah, it's low key becoming a pretty nice lead, uh, draft class where last year it's like, oh, well, Byfield and Lafreniere haven't gotten going. What's, what's going on? But yeah, low key, it's pretty, it's been pretty good. Yeah, I was I was looking at the replay and um, watching uh, the replay dissection. I noticed they actually loses control of the stick for yep. a brief second and then regains control. Yeah, and then and then does the thing and uh, beats Merce Lincoln's uh, in the midst of uh, turning Rowenski into a basically a test dummy. Yep, uh, it, it, it's kind of like one of those like EA Sports NHL arcade modes where yep. just like this guy gets a power up and all of a sudden he just mm -hmm. like clocks a shot like 200 miles an hour, just like goes yep. full on beast mode and you can't do anything to stop him. Like yep. he, 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 he just like was possessed by another being in just like two seconds flat. And then the pucks in the net. Yep. It, it, you weren't kidding when you said it was goal of the year candidate, like try and top yeah. that. Yeah. Not even goal of the year candidate. I'm going to call it. It's a goal of the year. Um, I know the the year hasn't even ended. The season hasn't even ended yet, but I don't I don't think I'm gonna find another goal like that. Um, I'm interested to see if anything beats it for goal of the decade. Yeah, I mean, we're halfway through uh, the 2020s almost. I will. Well, there's still I, time, but I'm not gonna go that far. I, I I think that goal that McDavid had last year, where he was like basically. It was a one yeah. on five against the Rangers. I think that that's going to be the goal of the decade. But, um, but I'm going to call it this year that that's the goal of the year from from my field. Yeah. Um, I'd say top twenty of the decade. I think yeah. that is a nice comfortable. But uh, but yeah. So I I think it's it's interesting. And I, I from what I remember is like uh, when we when everyone was talking about Byfield and Lafreniere that Byfield was always going to be like take a little bit longer to truly develop. And I think now we're actually seeing what Byfield is capable of. Um, and it's like, yeah, he, he hasn't scored, I think, since then. I started to watch a lot of Kings games. I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, but yeah, I, I think it's like I, I've started to become a, a huge fan of a Quinton Byfield now. Um, and so I, I, at least I'm happy that he's not going to be considered a bust, um, at least, because he has one nice season so far. Um, all right, uh, Yamir Yager, speaking of the Kings, uh, Yamir Yager gets his number retired, and the reason why I said speaking of the Kings is the Penguins played the Kings uh, last Saturday, um, and all the players on uh, the Penguins wore n bullets. Um, Sidney Crosby did get a goal, but it was against, uh, it was against the Kings, um, and they had like a huge thing. Um, they also managed to have a picture with Mario, Malkin, Crosby, and Yager all together. So it's like, I'm sure if you're a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan, you'll probably hang that on your wall all day. But um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's just the fact that like Yager was like a huge presence in the league for like two decades. Um, it's like, yeah, he was in his prime in the 90s and... Uh, and then he went, and then in the 2000s, pretty much, he just pretty much went through all the other teams. Um, and then he had kind of a falling out with the Penguins for a little bit, but uh, but then it, it turns out apparently he's he gets his number retired. He still has the second most points all time um, in the NHL. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's crazy that he's getting his number 
retired finally in Pittsburgh because it's uh, it feels like he you know it's like he's still playing I think in uh, in uh, Czech Re- the Czech Republic still and he's like 52 years old it's it's insane. Speaking of uh, NHL legends who get their numbers retired, yeah. even though I thought it should have long happened by now. Uh, Chris Chellers is number seven, yeah. finally being raised to the United Center Raptors by the Chicago Blackhawks. Even though uh, his last game with the Hawks was like 97, 98, it's been over 20 years now. But, yeah. Uh, good on Chris Chelios. Uh, huge night for him as well. The only thing about, yeah, what's interesting about Chris Chelios is that, like, it's going to be from Detroit and Chicago who play later tonight. But, um, but like, for, like, Yager, he's played on, like, half the league. And they managed to retire, Pittsburgh managed to retire his number on one of the teams that Yager didn't play for. Um, so it's just kind of, it's kind of funny that they did it that way. Because, like, Rec, Mark Recchi had his number retired a few weeks ago uh, for the Flyers, and they managed. He they, that was a game where the Flyers and the Bruins were playing because that makes sense because mm-hmm. they were you know uh, Recchi played um, in Boston as well, um, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's just funny that it's like like oh like if you're going to retire Yager's number in Pittsburgh. Like, shouldn't you do it when he's when you're playing Washington, when you're playing New Jersey, when you're playing the Rangers? Instead, you you, you go out and uh, do it when you when they're playing the Kings. It's just funny. Um. Anyway, speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, good segue here. Pittsburgh makes a trade. Uh, uh they get Emil Bemstrom, who ended up getting a goal right now. Um, but Columbus ends up getting Alex Nylander and a 2026 sixth round pick. However, there is a condition on that pick where if Bemstrom scores at least six goals with the Penguins from now until the end of the season, that sixth round pick is upgraded to a third round pick in 2026. So it's kind of a little funny little thing here. He already scored a goal today, so he has four more goals, uh, or sorry, five more goals in order for that to, um, to transfer over to be a third round pick um but yeah this is an interesting trade just because these are two guys who had like some like were decent prospects at the time but never really got going and just needed a change of scenery um so now yeah i i forgot about alex nylander and i forgot about neil benstrom um and yeah now they're they're on other teams and we'll see how it goes yeah, I mean, Alex Nealander was a top 10 pick, yep. whereas Benstrom was like a fourth round pick. Yep. But that it's it's neat, those little caveats. It's just like, oh, yeah, uh, this guy gets six goals uh, from now until the end of the season. We'll up that six to a third. Yep. And I think that's the only way this deal gets done because uh, Nealander, unfortunately, has not lived up to uh, the expectations. So it's a low risk, high reward uh, trade to make for the Blue Jackets, as far as I'm concerned. But. Um, there's also that possibility that, you know, if Pittsburgh is really down the tubes, that 2026 third could be like an early third round pick yeah. instead of like what they hope is like a middle or a late third. So, True. and like Braden Point was a third round pick, you can get a lot of good talent beyond the second round. So, um, especially, especially if the Blue Jackets uh, scouting uh, staff is on point there. So, I'm interested to see what that. Uh, potential third round pick turns into because i assume it'll be a third yeah we'll see um the um okay so now you have a crazy game here um 
that happened. Uh, I forget exactly. Oh, it was on Monday. Um, it was a 10-7 yeah. game, uh, Minnesota. Um, and there was three hat tricks in this game. I think this is the first time this has happened in the post-lockout era. Uh, it started off where JT Miller had a hat trick, and it, at one point it was five uh, two Vancouver. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota gets a one two three a six goal uh, scores six goals unanswered. Uh, Kaprizov gets in on the mix. Joel Erickson Eck gets in on the mix, and all of a sudden they get scoring. Um, then Vancouver scores a little bit, and then Montreal kind of, or sorry, Minnesota gets gets two more goals um, at the end there. So it ended up being ten to seven. Joel Eriksson had a hat trick. Kaprizov had a hat trick, and JT Miller all had a hat trick as well. Um, then eventually, um, Minnesota ended up beating Edmonton uh, four to two um, on Friday. And on Saturday, uh, uh, Minnesota beat uh, Seattle five to two. Um, so yeah, they're they're getting hot um, pretty much. It's it's weird see, thinking of this because the Wild are not known for scoring a lot of goals in a game, but yeah, they managed to to do that very recently. And a lot of that has to do with their top line. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov has six goals and twelve points in these four games. Uh, Joel Eriksson Ek has nine points. Um, a lot of those were in that uh, Vancouver game. And Matt Boldy has seven points. Uh, just get it together, Matt Boldy. What's wrong with you um, in those four games as well? Um, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's Minnesota is certainly turning into a dangerous team all of a sudden just because of those, those three guys. Um, and it's kind of cool, too, that like for for a while now, we were wondering like who's going to be the supporting cast with Kaprizov, who's going to be that center. And it's nice to see that Eriksson Ek is going to turn into that guy, or he's becoming that guy. He's having a pretty good season, um, and yeah, it's nice to see that Matt Boldy is also um, doing well too. And Marco Rossi, they also have uh, Brock Faber. So um, so yeah, they're they're now a, all of a sudden a high scoring team, and you, you wouldn't say that last year. Yeah, they've uh, quietly put themselves back into the playoff conversation, uh, at least for the wild card yeah. spot uh, in the Western Conference there. And and you you look at uh, Matthew Boldy in the second half stirs that he had last year. Hopefully, uh, for the sake of my fantasy team, history repeats itself. I know the buzzer went, but I wanted to put these stats out because they're mind-boggling. Excluding the two empty nairs that Minnesota scored to make it a 10-7 final. 15 goals on 49 total shots between the two teams. Uh, on top of that, uh, digging a deeper into uh, the stretch where the score was just torn completely upside down. We mentioned the three hat-tricks. First time that's happened since November of 1992, by the way. Minnesota scored three times in the first minute 44 of the third and five times in the first five minutes and 12 seconds of the third period. Even worse for the Canucks when you consider Minnesota scored with 33 seconds left in the second period. So in the span of 5 minutes and 45 seconds of actual game time, it went from 5-2 Canucks to 8-5 Minnesota. Just absolutely crazy stuff. Yeah. And also, it was the first half of a back-to-back, -back and the second half was against the Avs. So if you're wondering why Casey DeSmith was the net for all the goals minus the two empty netters, they were saving Demko for Colorado, and unfortunately, the Canucks lost that game too. So, 
Um, I get the strategy, but um, the Canucks took two big L's uh, on that back-to-back. Unfortunately for your Bruins, they got their revenge. So. Yep, yep. Um, well, Vancouver ended up winning, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, the uh, yeah. So you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Uh, you can also subscribe to us um, if you haven't already on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcast um, at Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 402 of the Lace Them Up podcast. <laughs>